Chapter twenty nine of From Alien to Citizen The Story of My Life in America by Edward Steiner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter twenty nine The Magic Watch. I had spent four years in my last pastorate and had preached my final, if not my farewell, sermon i have never been guilty of making the close of a pastorate the occasion for a last scolding or a recapitulation of my achievements neither have i knowingly caused the tender-hearted to weep on that particular sunday i brought a simple message whose text and subject i do not remember yet i could not wholly conceal the sadness i felt it was an effort to speak and although there was a smile in my eyes it only veiled the tears there was the usual sunday evening congregation if anything somewhat smaller for it was a stormy night and the curious did not know that my work there was at an end i had purposely withheld this information from the newspapers because i felt that the day would be difficult enough without any formal leave-takings in the front pew sat a fisherman and his family with them i had faced the storms of the lake and the fierce storms of his matrimonial sea gentle as a lamb when sober he was a fiend when drunk and for weeks after his periodic spree i had to be at his home every day with prayer and entreaty to keep the family from disruption twice the lawyers were about to file the papers for a divorce case and each time i linked husband and wife together with every recurring rupture however i felt a little less sure that i was doing right in saving the wreck many lonely women were there worse than widowed who knew all too well the tragedy of married life as staged by king alcohol in the congregation i saw mothers whose children had suffered for want of food clothing and even medicine because the fathers suffered from the town's chief industry that of making drunkards out of men it had a good many more than a hundred saloons to its population of twenty thousand and they all worked overtime at the job children were always in my church in large numbers and they were all loyal to me what is still better they were loyal to the end near the pulpit sat an old man gentle and sweet but as he dealt in the most melodorous hides the scent of which permeated his clothing he usually occupied his pew alone what made him particularly offensive to the sensitive nostrils of the church was that he stood by the door at every meeting extending in welcome the most unwelcome hand to the worshippers a few of those i looked down upon from the pulpit that night knew it was the end and were sincerely sorry that it was so with peculiar pleasure i recall a certain man zealous in his religion even to the hurt of his business a severe test of one's sincerity he was one of the few families in that place in which sons were brought to maturity without shipwreck to their characters there were a few other helpful ones whose faithful support never flagged and whose friendship we still cherish and many highly respectable people who had been neither hot nor cold whose attitude had often made me feel like echoing the apostolic sentiment in describing similar christians there were three negroes in that church as white beneath their skin as any one i ever met two of them were the conscientious sexton and his efficient wife the third was a business man whom i knew not only as a parishioner but as a true friend in whose company i delighted the rest of that sunday night congregation was a miscellaneous group which came perhaps because there was nothing better to do 
usually i waited to shake hands with the members of my congregation although often i should have preferred to run away and be alone with the reaction which always comes to me after an honest attempt to preach the gospel that night as soon as i pronounced the benediction i left the pulpit through a choir entrance and groped my way into the dark basement i could hear footsteps following me and made an ineffective attempt to escape but when i could go no further i turned and saw a woman one of my most faithful members weeping and holding toward me a silver-handled umbrella which she pressed upon me as a farewell gift vainly she tried to express herself emotion overcame her and she left me with my eyes full of tears and the umbrella in my hand it was a wonderfully symbolic gift that umbrella for it was a stormy pastorate from its beginning to the end yet stormy as it was those four years were the best i had ever spent i gave unreservedly all i had to give in an honest attempt to do the work of a christian minister as i felt it should be done i think i gave the best i had or ever shall have to give not only was it a stormy pastorate from its beginning it was a doomed pastorate i succeeded a remarkably popular man of the evangelistic type who had built a new church and drawn to it the greater part of its members they kept his memory green through personal loyalty which was fostered by his frequent visits and still more frequent letters written to various friends in the church at that time i was guilty of a grave error which i never committed before or since i tried to follow the methods of my predecessor and failed of course displeasing those who wished me to be different and not gaining the affection of those who believed honestly that in being loyal to me they would be disloyal to him it is an old story and most men in the ministry have had similar experiences the very first week of my pastorate i ran afoul of the ladies aid society which had staged a play to be given in the basement of the church it particularly offended me because it was coarse in spots and at the best in bad taste one lady asked my opinion of it i answered her truthfully and before the day was over the ladies aid society was militant very if i had followed my impulse i would have resigned on the spot while the storm blew over it never quite subsided for the ardent managers of that particular affair never forgave me this and similar matters were all trivial things and my pastorate might have ended as most pastorates end with a providential call to a larger field had not other and more acute difficulties arisen the city in which that church was situated was like one of those retarded children which grow old but never grow up which is taken from one specialist to the other with the ultimate verdict that the child ought to get a start and grow but that it never will the place had all those advantages of which american cities love to boast five railroads a splendid harbor and easy access to raw material it boosted and boasted yet its factories did not flourish and its harbor attracted no fleet its population was made up of shrewd connecticut yankees reinforced by industrious if not always god-fearing germans their sons and daughters intermarried but the children born to them lacked vigor and spirit the poor rarely rose to the level of the rich who dwindled died and were buried the occupation of the original settlers was fishing nothing in that business as it was there conducted should tend one way or the other to influence the city's character the work was seldom dangerous never picturesque the stupid fish were caught in huge traps fastened to stakes driven in the shallows at certain times the nets were drawn up fish dropped into wading barrels and boxes and hastily shipped to their various markets as if they were peaches or grapes 
to other rich crops of that region gradually a new business developed in which the whole city finally gave itself it became ostensibly a summer resort which before long was catering to the lowest passions of men and drawing revenue from all its deep and dirty channels brothels conducted their business as openly as dry goods stores and were in closest proximity to them gambling was not open but common and as the city brewed a famous beer and manufactured champagne and lesser brands of wine the consumption of liquor was constantly encouraged the principal difficulty with the business of the summer resort was that it corrupted alike the natives and the strangers for while those from the outside came for an occasional spree we residents had the whole machinery of evil with us seven days a week sons and daughters husbands and even wives became its steady and remunerative patrons the whole city was contaminated by it for the enterprise was a stock company and its stock was widely and wisely distributed i was told repeatedly that i might stay with my church to a good old age if i left the saloon alone i was perfectly willing to do that had the saloon left me alone its mean crafty deadly influence was everywhere not only in the drink it dispensed that might have been the least of its brood of evils it buttressed the brothel and spread poison until its loathsome touch fell upon the mothers and the children it corrupted the family weakened legitimate business and even reached into the church ready to throttle its spirit the cheapest easiest and least effective method of fighting this entrenched power which we called the saloon for short was to attack it from the pulpit but having by that time learned something from experience i avoided such a blunder and the battle was begun in a very indirect way i invited twenty men representing various callings to meet at my own home they came and we organized a literary society which i think survives to this day it was the first time that the leading men of that city had come together for some idealistic purpose my object was to create a feeling of unity and help develop in those men a healthy civic spirit which at that time was entirely lacking into the group came the editor of one of the daily newspapers a man feared by everyone for his incisive editorials and the bitterness and relentlessness of his attacks he had a bulldog tenacity of purpose yet with it a generosity and a geniality of which few people knew hidden and soured as were those qualities by the atmosphere in which he lived and worked after one of the meetings of the society i walked with him to his home and spoke to him about the things which burdened my heart pressing upon him much of the responsibility for the city's pitiable plight we paced the street until one o'clock in the morning and the next day the city was startled by a broadside editorial attack in that man's paper upon its business its life and its spirit true to his nature he continued the attack more bitterly each day until finally a small group of men under his influence gathered together and we began legal proceedings in which although balked and hindered we were finally victorious that is we succeeded in separating our evils the brothel and the saloon were compelled to part company the worst and most openly offensive resorts were closed and outwardly at least we became decent i soon discovered that this paltry victory was gained at great cost the barrel makers the lumber dealers the insurance men even the dry goods merchants the cigar makers the grocers and the butchers all seemed to suffer because a dangerous business had been checked quite naturally the minister too was affected and that in many a small and cruel way 
the fact that the church treasury became depleted did not worry me greatly but that those whom i considered good friends turned against me and their wives and children passed me coldly by did hurt deeply one offence leads to another one sunday evening i preached to the crowds at the boat landing truth compels me to acknowledge that the setting was not highly ecclesiastical a grocer's wagon was my pulpit and a few zealous youths served as the choir accompanied by a baby organ rightly named if judged by the sounds it emitted my congregation was the surging mob waiting for the train on which to return home after its sunday pleasure there i preached the gospel and that too gave cause for offence to many respectable sheep of my flock another faux pas of which i was guilty was my attempt to maintain the spirit of fellowship among the workmen of the city by labouring with them one winter for a week i worked in every industry except the brewery and the distillery it was an exhilarating task as well as an arduous one for my softening muscle and flagging spirit at six o'clock each morning with my dinner basket which the good wife had packed for me i went to work at night after a refreshing bath and i realized how few workmen enjoy the luxury i attended to my pastoral duties at noon i gathered the workmen together and at our luncheon we talked things over i did not always talk religion i created or tried to create among them a pride in their job a dissatisfaction with doing the mere mechanical tasks and a desire to escape their blind alley occupations i succeeded in making an architect out of a mill hand and a civil engineer out of a mule driver i do not know that i saved any souls but i saved some waste of bodies and minds perhaps the good lord will give me credit for that although my congregation did not i worked one week in a veritable hell where acids ate the tissues of men and a foul dampness inflamed their muscles so that they were consumed within five years if they stayed on the job only the toughest undertook it men who felt they had nothing to lose and much to gain by an early death when i came out of that pit i made the managers uncomfortable by telling my convictions about the place it did not affect my health but it did affect my hold upon my congregation another factor which added to the storminess of that pastorate was that there the trail of the immigrant began to lure me with a power which was difficult to resist the islands near the city were rich in limestone and were slowly being blasted away and ground into cement the men who came to do the dirty and dangerous work were slavs those sullen silent men with whom i feel a strange kinship they were neglected and exploited and i took one sunday evening to talk about the immigrant problem my first definite message upon that subject the next morning i was told by one of my trustees that i was quote, called to that church to preach the gospel not to talk about those dirty foreigners End quote. the immigrants were then coming in groups large enough to attract attention and by the sheer force of numbers impressed themselves as a problem i spent my vacations following them through the steerage ellis island the mills and the mines to pittsburgh connellsville and chicago the trail which once i took by stern compulsion i followed from a desire to study those men to rediscover within them the values they possessed and to call attention to the wrongs practiced against them i began to write upon the subject and each time a magazine with one of those articles reached certain members of my congregation i was made to feel that i had stolen time from my church possibly they were right perhaps a minister ought to do nothing except preach the gospel and build up his church 
but to me the gospel looked larger than the book which contained it and the church had no local boundary my wife and i had repeatedly discussed the situation which was growing tense and as one of our pet theories had been that we would never remain in a church if my ministry provoked opposition i unhesitatingly and unqualifiedly resigned although we faced an unknown to-morrow our assets were each other three children aged respectively nine five and one year some debts and faith in the guiding hand which hitherto had led us in december nineteen o two we left our last parish just four years after coming to it in spite of its storms we look back upon it with happy memories we left behind us many friends and very few if any enemies one of my great comforts during times of discouragement while i was a pastor was the friendship of my brother ministers which i am glad to say i never forfeited if i ever felt the genuine force of brotherhood at work i felt it while a pastor among those ministers of the gospel with whom i lived in close fraternal relationship for twelve years i have never met more manly men truer friends more splendid examples to follow in doing the hard tasks of my ministry than these pastors and those who were the most sincere the easiest to approach and the readiest to help were those who had reached the greatest prominence and carried the heaviest burdens and responsibilities when i reached home after preaching that last sermon in my last parish with a silk umbrella in my hands and tears in my eyes we talked it all over in the quiet of the night wondering whether it was worth while yet determined to face the to-morrow with faith in the god who had never forsaken us a few years ago the christmas mail brought me a small box securely wrapped and bearing the postmark of the city of my last pastorate opening it i found a beautiful gold watch sent me by the negro business man who was one of my congregation when i preached that last sermon it is a wonderful watch it not only keeps good time it has a magic quality whenever i recall my last pastorate with all its griefs its disillusions and disappointments and wonder whether after all it was worth while this watch like peter pan's tinkerbell ticks the answer of course it was worth while of course it was worth while the umbrella i have forgotten i always forget umbrellas but the watch i keep and carry because every minute it says of course it was worth while end of chapter twenty nine